Morning. Great to have you here. Um, I also want to add one more um, update and announcement, and that's Christmas blessing. And so if you're new here at Rolling Hills, um, this is something we do every year, and uh, we give towards helping those people in our community, and some of which are in our own faith family, who are struggling in the financially during this season, and we want to bless them by uh, helping them and their family um, you know, have some things to celebrate and, and uh, for each other during this Christmas. And, um, and one thing we found out during COVID, I mean, here was one of the blessings of COVID. I mean, just one of the many. Um, ha ha. Okay. Um, uh, we found out because, you know, with sheltering in place and not being able to interact, what we usually did is um, they, they, families would give us information and community groups would go out together and, and purchase gifts and, and hand them off to those families. Um, during COVID, something really cool happened. That was because um, we couldn't be together. We just purchased gift cards for those families. And the parents went out and bought the gifts. And uh, they were the heroes in the family. And it was really, it's like, why haven't we been, why haven't we been doing this? Um, and so that's what we're doing now is, is um, you can give towards this. We're purchasing gift cards. Last year, we helped 350 families during Christmas. And so, yeah, um, so cool. And uh, so we, we, we have a, a goal of $40,000, and we are, I think, past 25. And so we have 15,000 more that... Um, We'd love to raise, and uh, we have two weeks to do it. And so if you've been thinking about it and haven't made a decision, you know, just pray about it. And if God so leads you, then um, now's the time to give to that. All right. So we're in our second week of pro tips, and it's just uh, pro tips is kind of a, a topic we do that are standalones. And it's just like, okay, in our spiritual journey, here are some things that are helpful to us. And last week we talked about God's will and how do you know, you know like all the decisions we have to make in life, how do you know what God's will is? And so we, last week we talked about that. And this week we're looking at um, this great motto of our nation, in God we trust. Great motto. I'm all in with it, but I struggle with it. Um, and and here's, here's my struggle, and, and it's not, I think if we're all honest, it's just this common struggle, and that is I want to believe in God, and I want to trust in God, and I want to follow God, but I've got plans, and uh, sometimes I see things happen around me, and I think, God, obviously, this should happen, and, um, and so come on, follow me, and what I'm doing in those situations is, is I'm trusting me and my plans and my insights, and I need to recognize that, hey, Bill, um, you're not God, and God knows more, and you can trust him, just follow him, and uh, trust him with your life. And, um, but I play the what if game. You ever play that? It's not a good game. You know, what, what, what if I don't, um, if I get sick? What if, what if uh, this happens to my kids? You know, what if investments go worse than the market's currently going? I mean, what, what if there's all kinds of things? What if I vote for somebody who I think is really going to be good and they don't get in? I mean, ever think that? Um, 
I mean, you know, and in this room, you know, it's like we just had an election this week. Uh, we've been looking and building up towards this election forever. And there's people in this room whose candidates got in and there's other people in this room whose candidates didn't get in. And so now it's like, what if? And so, you know, last week we talked about what if I married the wrong person? And uh, we unpacked that, so I gave you an answer there so you can be calm. But, um, but if you're still thinking, no, you know, God's will is a bullseye. It's, it's not a lane to follow, it's, it's a bullseye. And what if I married the wrong person? Well then, guess what? You're gonna have the wrong kids. So what are you gonna do with them? You know, I mean, um, so we can kind of get in this thing, it can drive us crazy, what if? And, and so ultimately, can we have peace in knowing that God's in control and that I can trust him? And so we're gonna look at, um, one of the places we're gonna to look today is, is Luke chapter five, and it's Jesus, and Jesus just got done teaching to a bunch of people, and, uh, and now he talks to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter just got done fishing, and it didn't go well, all right? And so he says, Jesus says this to Simon Peter in Luke chapter five, verse four, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, I don't know, it may just be me, but I'm pretty much thinking that Simon's going, hey, uh, Rabbi, you teach. I fish. Stay in your lane. You know, I mean, his whole life he's been fishing, and he respects Jesus, and he's learning to trust in him, but it's like, you know, I'll trust in you and the God things, I'm gonna trust myself in the fishing things. And that just seems normal. But this is what Simon says, um, even though I think he's doing an internal eye roll. He says this, um, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. That's how I think he said it. Um, and so he's thinking you don't get it. Um, haven't you been paying attention? Don't you think I know a little bit more about fishing than you do? And now you're telling me to go do something that, you know, if I knew I could catch fish, I would have caught fish. And so he, he, he's, learning this, he's learning this thing. And, and really, I got two thoughts for you today. And one is we can trust God even when we don't understand. We can trust God even when we don't understand. Now, um, you look around the world and, and, and look around our nation, you look around, I mean, the last couple of years, and you think, what's going on? And, um, and then I remember God says, don't worry about tomorrow, because today has enough to worry about it on its own. And I honestly think, somebody's gotta worry about tomorrow. I mean, are you looking what's happening? Somebody's got to worry about tomorrow. And I'm thinking, you know, God, have you seen this? Um, according to my plans, there's some things that are really messed up. And uh, so we should pay attention to that. And Peter's reminding us, you know, um, God's plans are bigger than our plans. God's at work. And he's good. And he's loving. And you can trust him. Even when you don't understand uh, very popular verse in the Bible. 
It's popular for a reason because it's just so solid. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That is tough, isn't it? It's like, here's my understanding. This is what my experience in life says. This is what should be happening for humans to flourish. And God's saying, no, trust me in my plan. And uh, don't lean on your own plan because your plan is so limited compared to my plan. It says, trust in the Lord. The, the, the words there in Hebrew give you that idea of clinging to the Lord. Cling to God and not your own understanding. So if I'm gonna cling to God, then um, that means I gotta stop clinging to something else. If, if I'm gonna cling to God, I need to stop clinging, clinging to something else. And so what in my life is giving me hope that I think is gonna deliver, that could bring into my life such a great set of circumstances that I will have peace and I will have joy, and that's what I want. And so what are those things that I'm clinging to that I think is gonna deliver that? And uh, God reminds us in, in, this, in Proverbs, um, Solomon reminds us to don't lean on your understanding, but trust in God and his plans. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your, stat, your, your uh, path straight and to acknowledge him means to know him. In all my ways, know God. Man, things are going good, I need to press into God. I need to thank him for his blessings, and I need to choose to trust him. And when things are just sucky, I need to press into God, and I need to know God, and I need to trust him. The more I know him, the more I'm gonna trust him. And the more I trust him, actually, the more I'm encouraged to trust him more in the future, because I see him at work, I see him in, life, in work in my life and around me. Now, um, trust him even when we don't understand. Now, I'm gonna share a story with you that uh, if you know me, you've heard from me before, um, but I looked it up, and the last time I shared this story in a sermon was 20 years ago, and so um, I feel empowered to share it again. <clears throat> and so, um, when Kathy and I were thinking about moving to Portland, it was because um, I wanted to go to seminary. And uh, I knew I was going into ministry. I knew that's what I felt like God was leading me towards. And so we, we landed on uh, Western Seminary in Portland, up on uh, Mount Tabor. And so to come and check it out, during my senior year of college, during spring break, we came up here, I went and sat in some classes, got to know some people, but then I also thought, you know, when I'm in seminary, I, I just do, I'm not gonna be living in the library. That's just not me, shocker, I know. But, um, so I, I wanna be in ministry while I'm going to seminary, I think it will help me um, make sense of the things I'm learning. So I interviewed at this startup church um, called Rolling Hills. And evidently, I was the only one who applied, because I got hired. And uh, so we went, back to, we went back to California. I finished up my senior year and graduated. And then that couple of months between coming here and being hired and graduating and then moving up here, we found something out. And that was, Kathy was pregnant. 
And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the plan. I mean, we're going to go to seminary, you know, and then I'm going to work part-time. I'm going to seminary part-time. I ended up cramming three years of seminary into four. Um, but it, it's like I'm going to be busy, and I'm working part-time, and, and, uh, and Kathy's leaving her full-time job at a radiology office in California and leaving our insurance. And should we do this? And it was like, you know, I just think this is, this is, we need to do this. And so we did it. And so we left our insurance behind and we got insurance here, but it didn't um, cover this, this pre, you know, this, this pre-existing condition. And, um, and so we moved up. But us, okay, I was making like 500 bucks a month. And so we were just like, you know, rolling in the dough. And um, so we, we moved and we came up here and, and uh, Kathy was working part-time, I'm working part-time, going to seminary full-time, and uh, it comes time to have the baby, and it was about, I think it was about 10.30 at night, and, and uh, Kathy's not here today, she's homesick, and so she's watching me right now, <laughs> and she's going, it wasn't 10.30, Bill, it was 10.37, you know, I mean, she just, she doesn't like it when I get information wrong, but uh, so anyway, <laughs> sorry, Kath. Um, but it was late at night, and uh, her water breaks. And so um, I think, well, it's late at night. Um, we're not going to the hospital until after midnight, because they may charge us a whole day if we get there like at 11, and they say, oh, yeah, you're here for next, you know, another day. And it's like, we're not doing that. And so um, I'm, I, you know, I'm making sure she's fine. But it's like, okay, we're, we're going to go after midnight. And so her, you know, construction started and everything, um, but they weren't, you know, it, it wasn't like she was going to have the baby immediately. And so we got there and I, you know, I waited to like, to walk in like at 1225 because I didn't want them to say, no, you know, you got here before midnight. It's like, no, 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 I'm not playing that game. I was here, you know, after midnight. So we get checked in and this was the day, um, if, if, if you're my age, remember Lamaze? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, so you can have painkillers and just enjoy your experience, or you can have your baby naturally if you love your baby. And so that was kind of the, that was kind of the, you know, option. And so, which worked out with me because we didn't have insurance. And so we go in and the contractions are getting more and more difficult, and she's in more and more pain, but I'm her coach. Man, I, hey, we got this. It's like, hey, find a spot on the wall at your focal point, and I will help you breathe, because that's what I do. That's, and it's, evidently, it's very helpful. Um, so that's what we did, but she's getting, you know, she's not being nice to me, because she's in a lot of pain. And uh, so the nurse is like, hey, would you like some, some painkillers? Would you like something to take care of this? And I'm going, hey, Kat, that sounds expensive. And, um, and I said, you know, what we need, we don't need the painkillers, but what we need is ice chips. Bring us lots of ice chips. And, uh, and so then I was eating those. No, she, um, she was eating those, and, um, and, she, and she was unbelievable. I mean, what an intense, unbelievable experience. Our daughter was born. Um, 
Little Becca was healthy. I mean, I just overwhelmed. Kathy was unbelievable. And uh, so Kathy was healthy. Becca was healthy. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Becca was born like mid-morning. Um, so it's like an hour, two hours later. And um, they said, well, it's lunch. You know, what would you like for lunch? I said, lunch cost? And, uh, and it's like, I think we're good. You know, it's, it's like, baby's good, right? And she goes, yeah, baby's doing good. Mom's doing good. Yeah, mom's doing good. We're going home. And uh, I know some of you are just hating me right now. <laughs> um, and so we got, you know, we got the okay. And uh, I'm like, hey, we have a bed at home. We have food at home. I bet you it costs a lot less at home than it does here. And so we're going home, because you're giving me a th everything's okay. Okay. They said, okay, well, if you're leaving, you, the first thing you have to do before you check out is you have to go down to the billing office. It's like, Ugh, I don't want to go to the billing office. They said, you got to go to the billing office. So, okay. So I go downstairs, go to the billing office, and uh, this is all true, by the way, sadly. Um, but uh, so I go in there, and... Uh, they say, well, I see you don't have insurance. And it's like, yeah, I have insurance, but not that will help me today. Um, and they say, okay, tell you what, you, um, why don't you apply for um, aid, financial aid? And I said, I, I've done that already, and we were rejected. And she goes, okay, well, let me help you fill it out this time. I said, okay. So she starts asking me questions, and I'm giving her answers, and then all of a sudden she says, oh, you don't want to say that. She said, I think you have a much better chance if you say this instead, which had a little bit of truth in it, but had some misleading information in it. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so she just looked at me and, okay. And so then we go through the thing and it happens a couple more times. And she, she's seriously looking at me and going, are you, are you an idiot? I mean, do you not love your family? Do you not want to help financially in this situation? You may have a chance here, but not if you're going to be this honest. And I said, that's okay. I'm put down what I think is true. And so she did, and then I went up to Beck's, or Kathy's room, and we went home. And, uh, and everything was fine. And a couple weeks later, we get a call from the hospital, St. Vincent's. And it's the billing department. And they say, yeah, we're, uh, we're calling regarding your hospital bill. And Kathy says, okay, uh, you know, could you tell me what's the minimum payment and for how many decades will we have to pay this? <laughs> and um, the person said, hey, uh, no, I'm just letting you know that we've gone through your stuff and your bill's been taken care of. And Kathy said, so what does that mean? Like, when do, when do we have to start paying? Is it going to be on a regular date? He said, no, it's been taken care of. You don't owe us anything. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to this day. I wasn't really going to ask a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> but that was the first and the last time that Becca was free. Um, <laughs> so I didn't understand what was happening. I mean, we're, we're coming up and I'm thinking, I'm going into ministry and this is what we want to do. And Kathy was actually going to work full time to put me through seminary. And then it's like, well, this plan is different now. 
what are you doing, God? I don't understand. In this situation, God did something really unusual and blessed us. There's been a lot of other situations where we trusted in God and we went through a season of hell. We went through difficulty. We didn't go through great circumstances. But I've also experienced God in those seasons. Um, Have experienced uh, his comfort. Have experienced um, his ability and strength to be able to endure. I never regret trusting him. A lot of times I regretted not trusting him. And so we trust in God, our responsibility, trust in God, his responsibility is outcomes. And we even trust God with those Um, because we know he's best, his plans are bigger than ours, he's sovereign, he sees it all, he's a good God, and we can trust him. And Simon trusted him, and man, look what happened. Verse six, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Man, trust him, put down your nets, and his outcomes are his responsibility. So in your life, when you're thinking, okay, God wants you to let go of something in order to cling to him. Doesn't mean he's taking it away. Doesn't mean that it's bad. But it means it's not gonna deliver. I mean, if we're looking in life for something to deliver joy and peace and contentment and fulfilling in our life, um, God's saying, ultimately, you were built for a relationship with me. And the other nets that we cling to, they're not gonna deliver that. And so let them down. So what are things in your life that you're tempted to hold on to, thinking, man, they're gonna deliver for me when they won't? And that sometimes you're putting your hope in and your trust in when God's saying, you know, I want you to walk through life trusting me. What are those things for you? You know, I mean, it's, it's easy in this season to think, man, my, if my candidate can just get in, or if this can just happen, and ultimately, man, we engage, and we vote, and we use our Holy Spirit conscience to, uh, to do what we think is right, to help make this place a better place, but ultimately, I don't trust in who's in office, I trust in who sits on the throne. And that's where my heart, that's where my hope goes to. So a question I have for you, it's been, you know, I mean, 2020, everybody knows, was not a great year, terrible year, a lot of pain in our country, a lot of violence, a lot of discord, a lot of division. And so question is, if, if 2020 to 2025, if somebody was writing those five years about your life, what would that look like? I mean, we're halfway through. We got time. But I want you to write a good chapter. 
Uh, and, and God says, I, I, want, I, I can empower you and trust me. And it could be a good five years. Trust me. And he says, if you just respond to everything in life like everybody else does, probably going to be angry, probably going to be reactionary, probably going to be disgusted, um, disappointed, anxious. So you don't, don't have to live that way. Live differently. Um, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. And some in the economy, and some trust in their nation, and some trust in whoever holds office, and some trust in their investments, and some trust in their relationships, and some trust in their medical report. But it says, we, followers of God, we trust in the name of the Lord God. He's still in control. He's still faithful. He's still good. Let's see, Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16. I love this verse. This is Paul writing the church of Philippi. Um, Paul had trouble there. I mean, they, you know, they're chasing him. Um, followers of Jesus, new church in this town of Philippi. They, they, were, uh, they had people who were coming against them and uh, who were trying to stop their religion because they felt like it was going against uh, the culture of the day and the, and the economy of the day and the and the whole um, government, the Roman government. And so there was opposition. And, and Paul wrote them and says, do all things without grumbling or questioning. And I think, well, things must have been going good. No, they really weren't. And so th this assumes that there are things worth grumbling about. There were things worth arguing about. And, and when I think, you know, Paul writing us saying, hey, do things without grumbling and arguing. It's like, hey, do you not want me to be an American? I mean, that's what we do. You know, that's what we do. We, we, we discuss, and we, but then we argue, and things, now it's, it's like, okay, and we also get mad, and we also demonize, and, and, and Paul's saying, hey, don't, you know, argue. I mean, in the sense of having good debate, share ideas, listen, but don't be argumentative. He says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So, you know, and that was my next thing. He said, don't argue, don't complain. It's like, well, take a look around. I mean, there's things worth complaining about. He goes, I know there is. Even in a twisted and corrupt generation. And so, followers of Jesus, we got this thing, this saying, this saying, you know, God's revealed his truth to us and he's revealed to us what human flourishing looks like. And so we get angry when people do things that are against God's plan for human flourishing. But then again, why should they? Because they don't believe in God. I mean, it just makes sense. They're just doing what they think is normal. But us in the meantime, how are we to respond to that? We're not to respond like everybody else. He says, even when difficult things happen, you can make a difference in your generation by not responding like everybody else. He's saying, trust me, trust God in his love for you and treat other people with that kind of respect and love. He says, in this crooked and twisted generation, among whom you'll shine like lights in the world. So, so far from 20 to 20, you know, almost to 23, how's the church doing? Are we shining like lights in the world? 
I mean, shining to who? Shining to people who aren't like, don't believe what you believe. Shining to people like, who didn't vote like you voted. And he's saying, trust God, care about people the way God cares about people. Be on that platform. Have that agenda, the one you're trusting in, instead of something that makes you act just like everyone else. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not in vain or I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's saying, if we trust in God and our hope is ultimately in him, then we are gonna be concerned about what's going on in the world. We're gonna engage in it, but it's not our hope. And so we can still see people as people who are made in the image of God, people who disagree with me, but when politics say people who disagree with me are my enemy, God says, people who disagree with you are probably your mission field. I mean, there are people out there that don't agree with you that I sent you to build a relationship with and to love and reach out to and engage with. So we're to shine as lights of the world. That means when we trust in God, we have even in a crooked and perverse generation, even when things are going bad, even when things, you're uncomfortable with just things that are happening in the world, God says you can have a positive impact. You can have a positive impact. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They might not believe what you believe, they might not think what you think, but they're not your enemy the people that God wants us to reach and influence. And if we just act like everybody else, we lose our influence. And ultimately, that's not good. That's not good for our city, it's not good for our state, it's not good for our country. So whose platform are we going after? You know, sometimes we think like, you know, and I think this sometimes, I think like, man, the future of the church is in the balance. Man, there's some, some things that need to change or we're gonna have our rights taken away or this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. And, uh, and then I remember Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Satan can't stop the church. A pandemic can't stop the church. Sheltering in place can't stop the church. Communism can't stop the church. The Roman Empire couldn't stop the church. Jesus' family and his church and his mission are not at risk. They are not uh, sickly on the verge of going away. But God says, I will build my church and nothing's gonna stop it because I'm for it. So trust me, trust me. A new command I give you, love one another. And this is Jesus talking. And then he says this, as I have loved you, love one another. As I have loved you. Well, you know, he's loved me when I've thought wrong about a lot of things. He loved me when I thought wrong about him. And he loved me, he pursued me. You know, when I was 25, I was pretty set on, I think I know what I believe, and this is right. And other people are messed up, but they don't believe like me. 
But then I got to 35. And I thought, I, I'm thinking different about some things. And then I got to 45, and I looked back at my 25 self and thought, you know, I, realized, I, I was missing out on some critical things in my belief about God and myself and who I am and who other people are. And I'm sure that's how it's going to be when I get to 55. You know, same thing. I, no. um, but here, here's the point. God loved me when I was 25 and when I was 35 and when I was 45 and 55. Even though I was thinking wrong about a lot of things. Misunderstanding who he was in some ways. Misunderstanding how I was to see other people. And that grew and changed over time. But all along, what was true? He loved me. He was pursuing me. Love one another as I have loved you. Wow. That takes faith. Am I willing to trust God? Respond differently in this world than most everybody else is responding. And say, God, give me eyes to see people like you see people. You know, give me a heart for people, the same heart that you have for me. Give me that heart for others. And I'm gonna follow you. God is a good God, still good. He cares, he's worth following. He's got a plan, he's not impotent. And we can trust him. So in your life, um, what do you want to cling to besides God? What's that thing that you just keep going back to and just, man, if I just, if I had this, I would have just a sense of security and well-being. And God says, drop that, drop that. Not that it's not good, not that it wouldn't be something that um, you want to put in your life, but ultimately, trust me, trust God, because he's the one that can deliver so trust him. Um, I'll give you a second just to uh, pray to God about that. Maybe a time of confession. Maybe a time of uh, God giving you freedom. You recognize that, you know, God's helped me to get perspective on something in my life that I, I've been fighting for for a long time. And maybe it's the day where you say, you know, I have been trusting myself and ultimately I need to, uh, I need to recognize that and confess it and I need to put my hope in God because I'm not. And so I just want to give you a second to close your eyes and bow your head, talk to God. And if today's the day you want to declare to God, man, I, I, uh, I want to follow you, I want to trust you, then you can pray something like this. God, I thank you for loving me and for pursuing me. Uh, even though when I know there's a lot of things that I pursue and thinking that I pursue that, that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things that are just wrong and messed up. And yet that didn't stop you from loving me. And so I ask uh, for forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me for my selfishness, for my self-centeredness, for you know, following myself instead of uh, recognizing that you're God and I'm not. And so I submit myself to you. And thank you for forgiving me. And God, um, just begin helping me to understand more and more the person that you created me to be. And I, I want to trust in you as I, uh, as I live out life. And so it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.
We're going to continue to worship and uh, receive communion together.